The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Oh, so you're, you're in what used to be East Germany. No, I'm not. No? No, I am in the eastern part of what, the southeastern part of what used to be West Germany. Oh, okay. East Germany, if it still existed, would be north of us. But where we are, you know, the next country over is Austria, who was neutral through the Cold War. Mm -hmm. And then it was Yugoslavia, which was Iron Curtain, communist. Yeah. Yeah. And not existing anymore. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Just like their cars. Yeah. Yeah. There is a big culture now in Europe and... I don't know if it'll ever sort of make its way over to the States, but there's this sort of like, they call it in Germany, Ostalgia, because the word for East is Ost. And it's like this, it's it's sort of like the Stranger Things 80s nostalgia phenomenon in the US, except that it's for the like stupid symbols of communist Eastern Europe, you know, so like. Like style and music and stuff or. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's a, a big movement for like people who are into like classic cars of getting an old yugo and fixing it up oh wow or like like you know the like um the like old-timey soda thing that you can buy at like car washes and stuff or at least you used to be able to they do that for like like old eastern like east german brands or like old yugoslavian beet juice or yeah well no i mean they had like (laughs) like gum and soda and crap like that as well. And those brands, you know, when when the when communism fell, those brands went away. And so someone either just stole the the IP or got a hold of the IP or whatever and slapped a label on a on a can of coke and are selling it for twice as much as it's worth cuz capitalism. <laughs> ah, capitalism. <laughs> Good job, Reagan. <laughs> Yeah, way to go, Reagan. But he lost, man, because because he's dead. Like our generation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to season one, episode twenty-three of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog, hosted by Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back. We're here wrapping up the end of season one with Kevin Lassard. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Brandon, and everybody listening at home, glad to be back with you. Good. Uh, nobody else really wanted to talk to me about this, so I'm, I'm glad you volunteered. Well, uh, I, like, I was on a business trip, and I didn't have anything better to do, so I thought I may as well spend some time listening to a weird Pearl Jam track. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're here today talking about ramblings continued the b-side of the 1992 holiday single of which they only printed 25,000 copies and had a sonic reducer as the a-side yeah yeah so before we get into ramblings i did want to say in part of my study i found um someone who reviewed the i guess it was supposed to be a review of the whole fan single um Mm -hmm. like it was just one of those like 
like review websites that was just like people leaving comments like um metacritic or something yeah something like that and one of them really stood out to me they were specifically talking about this track they said yeah it was just a bunch of random stuff that the band cut together i felt like they could have just done a half-ass single and it would have been better and i was like yeah dude just kind of flip it over (laughs) (laughs) like that's that's what they did (laughs) (laughs) there's a reason there's an a side and a b side the a side is the is the one you're supposed to listen to and the b side's kind of like eh maybe i could just leave it on the record player like this and just play it over and over again yeah and that probably would have been no like like i don't want to diss this track because like i feel like i've i've listened to it I don't know, probably 20 times in the last week, which is more than anyone should listen to Ramblings Continue. <laughs> more than anybody has probably listened to this in their entire uh, life of listening to Pearl Jam. Yeah. And I've listened to like like the tracks where the different sort of clips came from. And I'm, I'm assuming based on which clips it are, uh, which clips they are, and, and sort of the things that that are in there that this was a jeff ament thing mm-hmm. like i couldn't i couldn't find anyone that sort of could say definitively who was responsible for what but we know that the the art for the fan club single was a jeff ament thing and it, it sort of felt like from the little clips of them talking that it was more like like jeff was the one who was like yeah we got to do this you know like the beatles like a fan club single like where we talk to the fans and the rest of the guys were like yeah, okay, we can do that. And and it was different, I felt like, from the first ramblings. And in the first ramblings, you sort of felt that young energy, like we're a new band, we're so appreciative of everything that's happening. And this one was like them being pissed about the rent on their practice mm-hmm. space. Like it, it, you could tell that that a year of being on the road had had some effect on them and not all of it <laughs> positive. But that being said, I feel like Jeff put so much time and maybe maybe that's complete bullshit maybe he put 10 minutes into it but it felt to me like he really like was picking clips to reach out and to send a a really deep message about christmas and about the state of the band with this and so the track deserves our appreciation as pro jam fans i mean if for no other reason than because they at, at least one of them put the time into sort of thinking about this and piecing these things together. Compared the the first ramblings was basically them hanging around backstage after after playing with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers are on. They're like, okay, let's record. We'll talk. Uh, Stone starts playing a little ditty on his guitar and kind of like, okay, we're here. This is like the Beatles, how they would say, hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. We have. Um, a holiday single that we're sending out to all our fans saying thanks for, you know, giving us 10 bucks a year. We're sending you a record. This is cool. And so then now with the second one, they've come out with, they still have the first album out. They're getting ready to record and get in the studio for their, uh, for their second album. And they kind of release this one after they've worked with Brendan O'Brien to record Son of Producer. And this is basically like a sound collage, I guess, for it is for, indeed, for yeah. people who may not be aware of this or, or, or who have heard of it or something. So it's it's just a bunch of different parts of 
films and songs and interviews and stuff all kind of cut up and put together a, a lot of uh it still includes a greeting from the band sort of yeah interspliced in with with stuff yeah but you can tell that they're they're either not on tour or they're sort of in between gigs for this because they're not there isn't that sort of tour energy in the bits in the the short bits where they're actually talking and they're they're more like we know their tour manager was there um eric johnson but they're not talking like they're Mm -hmm. on tour they're talking about like the mundane stuff about renting a practice studio in seattle at least i i assume it's in seattle because that's the only place where Jimi hendrix would have worked yeah or england but (laughs) right yeah but yeah so it's so it's different from the first ramblings in that sense and that there's it's it's more like like a clip show kind of thing like like they went out and picked some some weird sort of Christmassy, Christmas related, Beatles related clips and spliced those together. And I wonder whether they did that if that was the plan from the beginning, and that's why there was sort of a really short greeting, or if they had intended to do a, a Ramblings one sort of you know let's let's greet and then when they actually got what they had after they did that recording, they're like, uh, there's like 30 seconds of stuff here. We need to fill this out. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of follows, I think the evolution of the Beatles where, you know, the beginning was just sort of, Oh, Hey, we're young kids. We're hanging out. Okay, here we go. Let's do something pretty straightforward. And then you get the end of the Beatles, uh, career and you have, a whole bunch of different sort of experimental things. You have tape loops, you have, you, you have them doing sound collages and stuff and, and some of their, uh, the records, uh, you know, white album, uh, the end of, uh, revolver tomorrow never knows. Yeah. Sergeant pepper. Yeah. And, and plus two, I think in the nineties, that was a big thing to have sort of sound collage sort of things. Um, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, like industrial music had a lot of those sort of things, just mixing together different sounds and samples from things. And, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Kurt Cobain also made little tapes and stuff like that. You know, this montage of heck sort of, uh, things is what, what, uh, I believe one was called that they named the, uh, the, uh, uh, documentary Mm -hmm. after that came out a couple of years ago. And it's just, you know, sort of, if you have a fork track cassette recorder at the time or something, you make little bedroom demos and stuff. It's kind of like, oh, hey, let me plug my TV into here. Let me plug a little cassette recorder into here and kind of play stuff. And Or even if you're just like, oh, I'm going to get splice tape and you know put it together and stuff like that. of just random stuff and it's kind of arty and it's kind of weird and it's it's a real sort of if you're bored thing to do. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that also in the 90s was influenced by the hip-hop culture sort of becoming mainstream and the idea of of that you don't have to organically make a sound to make art Mm -hmm. out of sound. Yeah, a whole whole borrowing of of culture, uh, sort of what we now call like creative commons, sort of, hey, this is just something and if somebody else finds a way to mm-hmm. use it and to uh be creative with it it's like yeah go ahead you know remix culture that's what it is yeah right exactly and so like 
like everything else great today, it was invented by Generation X. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to see it was, it was invented by black people, and then white people came in and said, oh, hey, we can do this too, and then... Well, of, yeah, that too. It's like, oh, okay, well, if, if I, I guess, are, are, are you going to, you know, let us join in and, you know, get some credit and say, oh, no, 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 you, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 Th- thanks for inventing this, yeah. but now it's ours. <laughs> so it, it, uh... Uh, interestingly enough, it starts with the uh, a Beatles sample, I guess. Uh, Inner Light. Yeah, yeah, Inner Light. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only Beatles reference on it either. They talk about the sort of Paul is dead myth. They sort of reference that when they talk about one, they say Eric is dead. And then they say that when they're discussing who's drunk during the the recording session, they say whoever's barefoot on the next track will be the one that's drunk because everyone knows what album was that on where, where the Paul versus no, the, the Paul is dead sort of thing. Oh, where he's barefoot on oh Abbey yeah, Road, where he's barefoot on the cover, and they think that that he's the only one that's barefoot, so obviously he's he died in a car accident. Yeah, I never I never quite got how that I don't know, but then again, I don't, I don't, <laughs> if, you, if you're doing a lot of drugs in the '60s, you know, you can convince yourself of a lot of stuff. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it opens with that. Then you got some other sounds and stuff. Oh, you got you. Then you got a you got a little section of deck the halls. Neck and cold, joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Yeah, the eraser head uh, sample is shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Did you and Mary have sexual intercourse? Did you? Referencing the Virgin Mary and mm-hmm. right, which is meant to be Christmassy because it's talking about did you have intercourse with Mary? But of course, the uh, Immaculate Conception though refers to Mary being immaculately concepted and being free without sin, which is why she was able to give birth to the Messiah. Not as some people think, it's like oh, Immaculate Conception means Jesus. It's like no, it refers to Mary. Right, exactly. For all of us atheists who don't know anything about that and just assume. Right, exactly, exactly. I, I, I assume the band just liked the movie Eraserhead and noticed oh, no, that yeah. there was this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Eraserhead? I've not seen it. I I watched some clips of it and I read up about it before this because mm-hmm. that's where this quote was from. And now I really do want to see it, but I also kind of really don't. It is super of its time and super sort of, you can tell it's like a guy's like first film, like super early in his career. It sounds very sort of 2001 kind of like that, that sort of late seventies 
faux art film era. Yeah, and 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 you and you're just kind of watching. It, it's like, is there a story in this? But as you get to the end, it's sort of like, oh, okay, it doesn't really matter if there's a plot or a story or whatever. It is just super evocative of a feeling and mood. And it's even though there's not really anything scary or explicit in it, it is at at one point it gets disturbing. And you're just sort of like, what am I watching? It's like it, it you yeah. it's really weird. Like when I watched it the first time, I was like, this isn't scary or anything. It's just disturbing is is the only word I could I could think of it. And it's sort of like this is I guess this is good because it's it's evoking a response and you know literally changing the chemistry in my body because I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it's making me feel these things without, you know, being like, Ooh, you should be sad or you should be scared or anything like that. It's just all these things happening on the, uh, uh happening in the movie. I'm like, what? <laughs> just, yeah. Whoa. It sounds like, like reading it. Cause when I was in college, you know, like, like when you're in that age, you watch all these kind of art, art filmy stuff. And we watched pie. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh yeah, 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 and it, it rem- the reading the description of the movie reminded me sort of that. Yeah, I think Pi is is super influenced by Eraserhead. Yeah, and then you get uh, a clip. I think it's from Rosemary's Baby. I'm not sure. There's still not sure it is a baby. Yeah, and uh, do you hear what I hear? The child, the child, sleeping in the night. He will bring us goodness and right back into the music and then that so this is the one that i feel like this this the sex pistols clip with uh, malcolm mclaren i feel like is the one where they're trying to 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 have a little bit of a message in this like sort of a hidden message mm-hmm. for fans yeah yeah where because because it's as a christmas single it's a lot less sort of merry christmas thanks for being our fans mm-hmm. kind of thing i think that this is, and like I say, my theory is that Jeff is the one who pieces together. That mm-hmm. this is Jeff's Jeff's attempt to sort of say like, "Hey, this is kind of how we're feeling and why we're not kind of you know happy." Merry Christmas. Let's go on tour with Slayer because it's it's so it's it's an interview where Malcolm McLaren, the Sex Pistols manager, is saying that he's speaking for the band because the band is sick of dealing with this with all the interviewers in the country and don't want to have to answer a bunch of questions. And it's not a very friendly clip. This be a good example for children. Well, people are sick everywhere. People are sick and fed up of this country. In fact, you're acting as spokesman for the group today. Yes, indeed. Have you stopped them from talking to us? Not at all. They're just so disgusted by having to answer so many questions about something so simple. Because they went from basically putting out a record it's kind of like uh we don't know how it's going to do you know we're just together for a couple weeks we got these songs we put them together let's go on tour play some music and stuff and then seattle exploding and everybody becoming just huge and just the biggest things in in popular music at the time and not just not just seattle i mean jeremy sort of blew up in their faces in a sense. <laughs> I wasn't meant to be funny. No, I know. <laughs> I didn't mean to make, uh, to make that a reference. But no. Well, no. you did. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, cut that out. <laughs> okay. 
and then they're getting ready for their second album. And I think that there is a real change in attitude when you get to verses and the sort of things that they sing about lyrically in it and the attitude. And also there's mm-hmm. a, there's kind of a harder edge in some of the songs than there are in, uh, in 10 where primarily it's uh stone Gossard writing a whole bunch of the songs where you get a little bit in, of more input from everybody else in the band and mm-hmm. you got everybody jamming and stuff and you know, you're going on tour and with a new drummer and you kind of get a harder edge and all of that sort of informs the mm-hmm. identity and the attitude of the second record. And I think that this fan club single sort of marks that attitude of, okay, we're, we have changed we're no longer sort of happy go lucky sort of hey this is real cool thing happening to us band we are now a okay that we have a voice and people are listening let's be serious and let's really get our moods and our attitude and our message out there for people to hear and this was this was also i feel like the beginning of there was this this feeling about pearl jam in this sort of era between sort of 93 and and 97 98 that they didn't really want to be there that they weren't Mm -hmm. happy to be rock stars that they didn't want to do tours you know and and a lot of that was just that they were fighting with Ticketmaster, that they were fighting with mtv about videos Mm -hmm. and and i feel like this this single sort of presages a lot of that attitude the band would would kind of intentionally or not put out there that that well yeah no we don't really want to buy into this sort of machine that's grinding our fellow bands up yeah and 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 they they go into talking about their practice space raising the rent and you know it's sort of seattle's getting huge and people are starting bands and people have already been in bands that are getting bigger and stuff it's like hey let's start jacking up the you know the 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 rate of 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 what we're of, of what we're charging and stuff. And it's mm. kind of like, Hey, you know, if there's, you know, kids who can't practice in their house or whatever, if they live too far from each other and stuff and they don't have room to keep all their equipment and stuff, you know, what are they supposed to do if, you know, they need somewhere to practice and stuff. Yeah. Or they don't want to get the cops called on them every Sunday at a barbecue or whatever. <laughs> or late at night on a, uh, on a Friday when you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on friday the 13th if you uh want to have a, a show in your uh backyard or your right. uh, your, your garage that a whole bunch of people show up to and get yeah. shut down <laughs> right yeah like what are kids like that supposed to do yeah you can't do like what uh hendrix does and build an addition uh onto your warehouse <laughs> Oh, that's it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I heard it's actually three Actually, Hendrix actually used to work. There's a shipper. Yep. And then they mentioned that, and then they have a uh, little Jimi Hendrix uh, interview. If you had the chance to communicate one general idea to the American public, what would it be? Hmm. I guess it would be uh, understanding and communication between the uh, different age brackets. Which is no such thing about age brackets anyway, not in my mind. Because the person is not actually old in numbers of years, but how many miles he's traveled, you know, how he keeps his mind active and creative. Right, which is sort of Christmassy, because he's expressing this sort of, 
like like Hendrix was always high, obviously, <laughs> but in this interview, he's 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 sort of doing the like stoner, like we should just all get along, man. Yeah, like age isn't a number, man. It's just like a number of years. Before we were we were talking, and you mentioned like Captain Marvel and stuff, and and I was thinking, she's like, oh yeah, I've been here seven years or something like that. She mentions that. I was like, okay, wait a minute. You're on a different planet. You're you you are traveling close to the speed of light. Probably time isn't the same, and the rotation around the sun, if that's how you're calling a year, where you are, it's really it cannot be the same amount of time from one place in one part of the universe as it is to here on Earth. I know you're just using years as a catch-all sort of. Okay, everybody understands what a year is. We're just going to use it because it gets way too complicated to really get into it about relativity and everything but just the nerd part of my mind is like no this can't be the same yeah it cannot possibly like how old how old is star lord this is the question that i want the marvel universe like if i ever get kevin feige like trapped in a corner somewhere (laughs) how old is star lord because because if he was what is he supposed to be? Ten in the eighties when his mom dies and and he gets picked up by Yondu. I think maybe like eleven, twelve. Okay, so he's like eleven, twelve, and like I'm sure that someone's done more research into this than I have. I'm a terrible comic book fan, but <laughs> but like so now it's supposed to be twenty twenty three, I guess, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, and he's done some time, like some some faster than light speed travel in there like a lot of it but then like captain marvel was around in the 90s and then she was doing like it i don't know it doesn't work like that they, they can't be the same age they can't be roughly the same age like there's got to be a bigger age difference than yeah or maybe like captain marvel just doesn't age now because oh yeah like maybe her like her biological development was frozen in time when she was exposed to the blue rays i don't know gamma radiation no that's the hulk whatever it was the tesseract energy that they harnessed yeah that the yeah. red skull was also able to but then use that to obliterate people when he zapped them right and somehow it made him the keeper of the soul stone like part like like and part of me feels like like i don't want to take this too far into a tangent but i do want to get this out there part of me feels like the red skull keeper of the soul stone thing is bullshit that red skull made up what do you mean he made it up i don't think you have to sacrifice anything to get the soul stone i think he like he's like oh i'm stuck on this on this planet if anyone shows up i'm gonna fuck with them yeah yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think both those sacrifices were completely meaningless. I think that it was just like, like Red Skull is like chuckling behind a rock. Like, they're really fucking doing it. Yeah, it's like, what, what can they get people to do, you know, if anybody ever comes here? Because I'm just stuck here. <laughs> he who, who seeks the soul stone must eat a Tide Pod. <laughs> Red Skull invented the Tide Pod Challenge. You heard it here, folks. So yeah, the band talks about Jimi Hendrix, and then they play the Jimi Hendrix clip to like tie that in. Mm-hmm. They start talking. Yeah, and that that was so like like every time I, I listen to this, I imagine like us as a band doing that. Like, oh, let's start this thing, and Jeff's like, 
we already started it. Oh, hey. Let's do this thing. It's doing right now. Hey. Just like I do with this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's start the podcast. We've been recording for 30 minutes, Kevin. Oh. <laughs> uh oh, what did I say? Oh, no. But, uh, and play some jingle bells, start talking about Christmas. Hey, let's go. Okay. Look out! Look out! <laughs> Jack, oh, Christmas. We just thought we'd give you a little insight into our uh, band yeah, psychology. Yeah. Uh, play some Monty Python. Always look on the bright side of life. And uh, let's see, start talking more about. Uh, Which one of us is really fucked up? That's the question we pose to you. Do the, the George Bush CC Music Factory sort of. Is far less deep uh, than the previous recession. <laughs> and then the, the Eric Johnson reference. Is it Eric Johnson or you know, if you'll be the guy in the next record without wearing shoes? Yeah. Um, Stone announces that he's not a bisexual. I'm not bisexual. I wasn't aware that there was a question about that. And I actually spent like 45 minutes Googling trying to see if there was any discussion ever of Stone Gossard being a bisexual. There, there's never been except for this track. And uh, Monty Python Christmas song. <laughs> Yeah, Eric is dead. Eric is dead. Yeah, someone did make the point. You know, they say like, "Oh, whoever's whoever's on the next album, Barefoot, is the one who's really fucked up." And four of the five of them are barefoot on the next album cover. Yeah, which is probably a coincidence, but <laughs> maybe not. Uh, Ed is pissed. We just looked at the artwork for the Christmas single, and it's, it's pretty damn good. Jeff Anna, it's been a really fun year, and. We're a little more relaxed at this little... We're much more relaxed, but thank you guys very much for supporting us so much. <laughs> Say something nice to the people, Edward. Uh, <laughs> he's doing the shy routine right now. I'm shy and He's pissed. He's pissed and shy. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Which, this is the big mystery. Why was Ed pissed? Yeah. Was he pissed about the practice rent being... You know, going up, was he pissed about having to record? Why was Ed pissed? He was having a crappy pissmas. Maybe someone broke into his house and he had to go to Matt Lucan's house? I don't know. I can't we can't place when this was recorded and what was going on, but Well we know we know it was after they shot the artwork for the single, mm -hmm. but before they released it. So that yeah. I mean there is at least sort of a window there that we can say it happened in that time. Yeah, so it was maybe October, November of 92-ish, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, because they did, they recorded Sonic Reducer in September. Mm -hmm. Do I have that right in my notes? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, September, uh, September 4th is what it says in the notes. So it was after September 4th. Yeah. And before Christmas. So yeah, there you go. Merry Pistmas. And then there's a sort of guitar riff with some uh, flanger on it. I, I listen to that again and again and again, trying to recognize if that's something I heard before. And it sounds familiar. It could just be because, you know, I've listened, you know, you, you listen to this a couple times trying to, to figure out something to say about it on this episode. But then 
also when you add a flanger to mm-hmm. some things you and it's sort of brings all the other times you've heard like a flanger in other songs and stuff like that like into your head just because of of the sound that it makes it's sort of like oh yeah. that does kind of it connects all these different parts right it's a really distinctive sound and like you you can name sort of five or six flanger songs off the top of your head if you as soon as you know yeah. that that's what that sound is Yep, and then end with uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Right, once again a Christmas reference. Yep. And I did some some research about live performances they have never performed ramblings continued live <laughs> oh really yeah amazingly if, if the band is listening this is a challenge do perform it live <laughs> yeah just like uh they've never done stupid mop live have they not ever no of course not no they they did they've they... tagged it yeah i, I was think. gonna say didn't they tag it yeah they kind of said uh it's like oh it makes me feel closer to the person or something at the end of some song was it was it a daughter extended? I don't know. But so you mentioned Stupid Mop. Mm-hmm. This is sort of a precursor to it. Yeah, as far as I could tell, this was sort of their first sound collage, which paved the way for for tracks like this, like Stupid Mop. And also maybe like more their more experimental stuff too, like probably like I'm Open. Yeah, Arc, Red Dot. And, and it was sort of the beginning of them having their own weird voice and speaking to the nerdy 90s kids like us. It's like, oh, yeah, I could do any old thing and call it art. I could do any noise music yeah. and stuff and, you know, find out about Sonic Youth and be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to tune my guitar. I'm going to stick in drumsticks and do all this weird stuff. Yeah, I'm going to write a song about Twisty Cats. Yep. <laughs> I was just about to say that. With, just turn my hands in and bang on a on a keyboard. With a keyboardist who can't actually play keyboard. Yep. Wear a poncho. Mm-hmm. The- Open for my own band with a uh, kind of other band. <laughs> and wear a mask. While people can drink behind chicken wire and be like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Is this going to turn wrong? Or oh so right. <laughs> Ah, the kibosh days. Ah, the 90s. Yeah, no, that was still the 90s because I couldn't drink yet. Yeah. I drank anyway, but I couldn't drink. <laughs> Is there anything else we got to really say about this? Uh, maybe just, you know, if you if you haven't heard it in a long time, turn it on and be like, whoa, that's, I think this, this sort of exemplifies, I think besides maybe uh, some classic hip hop in the days, like this exemplifies the 90s and sort of the other end of what weird white people were doing at the time. <laughs> no, it, it it really does. It really yeah. does. And, you know, pop it on and listen to it. But don't just do that. Like, go watch Eraserhead or listen to some Sex Pistols. You know, like, like Jeff picked these tracks for a reason, man. Trust him. Like, just go with it. <laughs>
Yeah, and you got to play it backwards to get the secret messages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there was... When I played this backwards that one time, there was so, <laughs> so much in there about, like... like And you were on mushrooms. And... Like, everything, man. Like, the flat earth, the mud flood, like... <laughs> like space is fake man like all of it it's all in there they know do you have any uh anything to uh shout out there anything to say hey you got to check this out it's pretty cool you know what you know i i was thinking about that um because i wanted to have something to shout out at the end of this i was like i really want to like shout something out and and i do because i assume a lot of your listeners are american like i'm not looking at your your downloads or anything but i assume most of your downloads are in the u.s if you haven't already get a passport and leave america like save save up the money go to mexico go to canada wherever but like see the world man like get out there because there's more than what you see on the news that's that's kind of my my pissmas message for this year (laughs) if you can afford it well yeah but i mean (laughs) Like you can afford anything that you make a priority unless you're like, you know, really, you know, working a warehouse job and making town dollars an hour and trying to support a family. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can, like, like no offense, but, I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> but you, I mean, like, I feel like most middle-class Americans can afford whatever they make a priority. So make travel a priority, even if it if it is just like waiting till you get a cheap flight to Cancun and going there. But if you do that, like don't just do the tourist stuff. Like see the world, man. Yeah, yeah. It'll open your eyes, and maybe maybe you'll decide. No, I really like you know mocha lattes and drive-through dinners, and I'm gonna go back to America and be happy without healthcare but maybe you <laughs> maybe you'll see that there's another way hell yeah being super poignant yeah i didn't i don't, I don't know now i feel like i've got to make a joke to light that up i just don't have any no that's all right just end the episode on that and be like boo yeah yeah deep man it's deep yeah just like just like this uh this track right yeah it's deep thanks for coming on kevin yeah thanks for having me man i'm always happy like just to hang out and talk to you and doubly so to talk about pearl jam and triply so to talk about weird stuff the better band podcast is produced by listenaprino.com and brandon palomo and published using a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 license Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from shoutengine.com slash thebetterbandpodcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am on Twitter at BrandENP. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to BetterBandPod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Kevin, and as always, this is Brandon saying... 
These Laramie cigarettes give me the steady nerves I need to combat evil.